Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I am your host, Kadra, and super excited to be bringing you guys another wild and perplexing story. Today, we are going to be talking about Cotard's syndrome, which I had learned about a few years ago, and I've always found it really fascinating. It's this pretty rare condition. There's only about 200 cases documented in the world, and it ranges from delusions of believing that you don't have organs or blood, all the way to believing that you are dead. So very interesting. We'll get into some case studies and learn more about this perplexing syndrome. But of course, before we get into that, we are at the top of the show. So a couple of quick housekeeping things. First and foremost, if you've been enjoying the podcast and you haven't done so yet, please take two seconds and whatever podcast platform you're listening on, find the star rating option and leave me a five-star review. Please, please, please. That is the number one way to help the show. And it's also really easy. So doing that boosts the show up the algorithms and that helps me get these stories to more people. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can like this video and hit the subscribe button. And doing that is also going to help you know when new episodes have been released. So thank you in advance for that. You can also hit the follow button if you're listening on a podcast platform. That's the other way to keep up with when new episodes have come out. Also, just wanted to shout out Taiwan because I have some new listeners on the podcast in Taiwan. So hello and welcome to the Perplexity Gang and thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have any topic requests or you want to share a crazy story with me, remember you can always email me perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail or you can DM me on Instagram and that is perplexitymysterypodcast. For ways to support the show, be sure to check out the support links in the episode description, and you can also check out contact links there and find my website. Trigger warning for today's episode, this episode will contain content that will be disturbing to some listeners. We will be talking about mental health issues, we will also be talking about suicide and suicidal ideation. So caution is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. If you want to learn more about Cotard syndrome or know what sources I used, those will all be available in the show notes. said at the beginning, Cotard's is a relatively rare condition. Only about 200 cases worldwide have been documented. But with that being said, as someone who works in healthcare, I think that this could also be because Cotard's is not in the DSM. And it also falls under like an umbrella term in what's called ICD-10 codes. And ICD-10 codes are like the international classification codes that healthcare professionals use when they're documenting and they have to like plug in different diagnosis codes for like, this is what I'm treating and why. And Cotard's falls under this umbrella code that's just like delusions. So I think that Cotard's, you know, theoretically could be more common than we realize and it's just not 
Um, there's not as much awareness on it and it's not being documented, like coded, if that makes sense, in these different medical records. And like I said, it's also not in the DSM, but Cotard syndrome was first described, as far as we know, by a doctor named Dr. Jules Cotard, and this was in 1882. Cotard's is also known as walking corpse syndrome or Cotard's delusion, and it can comprise of a series of delusions ranging from believing you've lost your organs, blood, body parts, or insisting that you've lost your soul and you're entirely dead. Some people even believe that they don't exist or that nothing exists. So it's understandable that people who suffer from this type of condition would be going through a lot of mental health issues and they would become less social. They may even stop speaking altogether. Others can have auditory delusions, hearing voices that may tell them that they're dead or actively dying. Other people even try to harm themselves or stop eating because they basically see no point. So it's quite a sad and dark condition. And Dr. Jules Cotard was a Parisian neurologist. He was also a psychiatrist and former military surgeon. And he seems to be the first person in literature to describe this phenomenon. Early in his career in neurology, he developed a big interest in cerebrovascular accidents, which are more commonly known as strokes. And he basically became really involved in neurological and psychiatric research. And he started coming out with a lot of publications and he helped contribute to understanding a lot of details of many psychiatric conditions. So Cotard would describe all of these symptoms that later became known as Cotard syndrome, and he called them a part of delire de negations, or delirium of negation. And negation is a term used in psychology that generally means you're denying the existence or belief of something. So negation delirium is commonly seen with schizophrenic disorder, and Cotard's is the negation of the self. So there are some symptoms with Cotard's that overlap with schizophrenia. Cotard's is also thought to be related to Capgras delusion, if you're familiar with that. Capgras is the belief that people have been replaced by imposters. Now, what causes Cotard's is pretty debatable, though the general consensus is that it points to deeper medical problems in the brain, such as dementia, encephalopathy, epilepsy, migraines, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, stroke, or from bleeding that happens outside of the brain from a severe brain injury known as a subdural injury. Though in some cases, Cotard's seems to stem from bipolar disorder and the use of psychoactive and psychotropic substances, particularly heroin, cocaine, and LSD. There are also a couple of very seldom, but a couple of cases where this has been seen in brain cancer. So as a tumor grows in these certain areas of the brain, it seems to have exacerbated some of these symptoms of Cotard's, so we'll talk more about that. Some experts also think Cotard's results from damage to the temporoparietal cortex. 
So this area of our brain is ultimately responsible for integrating our senses or making sense of them. It also integrates information from our limbic system, which is really important. We need our limbic system for basic survival skills like feeding ourselves, reproducing, and fight or flight. So it makes sense that severe damage to this area could drastically change the way that people view themselves and what they believe to be real. It also makes sense that a lot of them stop eating because it damages the limbic system, or so we believe. Another theory is that catarrhs results from the neural misfiring in the fusiform face area of the brain, which recognizes faces. So we have this special area of our brain that once we see a face, that area we believe helps us have that facial recognition. So this is um, part of the amygdala too. The amygdala associates emotion to a recognized face. So with catards, some neuroscientists believe that there's basically this neural disconnection and this causes the person to sense that the face that they're looking at or observing is not the face to whom it belongs or that the face is unrecognizable. So if the patient sees their own face, they might not associate that image of their face with their own sense of self. And this can also lead to people believing they do not exist. And we see this with dementia. It reminds me of some of the more severe dementia patients I've worked with, where they walk across maybe an area with a mirror and they see themselves in the mirror, but they don't recognize the person that they're looking at. There was a paper in 2018 that reported on 12 people with Cotard syndrome and it was found that four of these patients had changes to their frontal lobe, four had generalized loss in brain volume, five showed signs of decreased blood flow to some areas of the brain, and seven of them had lesions on at least one side of the brain. Eight of the participants also had a history of psychiatric diagnoses like schizophrenia, depression, or substance misuses misuses, <laughs> and five subjects also had neurological symptoms. So catards generally is classified into three stages, ranging from most mild to most severe. The germination stage, then the blooming stage, and then the chronic stage. In the germination stage, symptoms of psychotic depression are present and hypochondria. In the blooming stage, there has now been a full development of the syndrome and delusions. Delusions of negation are present. And finally, in the chronic stage, there are continued severe delusions along with chronic psychiatric depression. Now, the good news is what we've found so far in the research is that most people respond well to treatment and their symptoms are able to significantly diminish and improve. Cases have been reported in patients with mood disorders, psychotic disorders, and medical conditions, but most cases of catards are more responsible to ECT or electroconvulsive treatment rather than pharmacological treatment with drugs. So now that we know more about catards, let's get into some case studies. The first study will come from Dr. Jules Catard himself. 
So one afternoon, Dr. Cotard was in his office in Paris when a female patient that was labeled as Mademoiselle X came in to see him. And this was in 1882. This woman was 43 years old and she began to describe a very peculiar set of symptoms. She claimed that she had, quote, no brain, no nerves, no chest, no stomach, no bowels, that there was nothing left but the skin and bones, end quote. She also claimed she had no soul and that there was no God and no devil and that the overall she was nothing but a disorganized body. So a lot of negation. This doesn't exist. This doesn't exist. This isn't real. With no internal organs, she claimed to not need to eat anymore, and she expressed her belief in immortality, and she said she couldn't die a natural death, but she would live forever unless she was set on fire. She believed that fire was the only possible end to her existence. So... Jules Cotard at this point has never seen a set of symptoms like this. He's very fascinated. And so he starts to do some research. And this is when he discovers that there was a Swiss scientist named Charles Bonnet in 1788 that had worked with a patient that had very similar symptoms. This was an elderly woman who described symptoms that were eerily similar Bonnet had recorded that this woman was preparing a meal when she suddenly felt a draft and then she fell and was paralyzed on one side of the body. As the paralysis eased, she told her daughters to dress her in a shroud, place her in a coffin because she was dead and she demanded that everyone treat her that way. And to me, this sounds a lot like symptoms of a stroke because she had unilateral paralysis and while that did subside really quickly it could have been like a mini stroke or a TIA but this would indicate some significant brain damage or at least temporarily and she believed she was dead her family actually humored her and went along with this delusion they dressed her up in a shroud and they laid her in a coffin so that they could mourn her and eventually, this woman fell asleep, and when she fell asleep, her family undressed her, and they just put her back in bed. Later, she was treated with a powder made of precious stones and opium, and her symptoms eased, still returning sporadically every few months. So that was another thing I found interesting looking at these cases, is that some of them, their symptoms like start off mild and get more and more severe, and um, then they respond to treatment and it seems fine as far as we know. And then others, it's like their symptoms come and go. They'll be fine and then they come back a few months later. So really interesting. So after Jules Cotard studied the Bonnet case, as well as other similar examples presented by the French psychiatrist Jean-Etienne-Dominique Escorol and Francois Lorette, Cotard concluded that he was witnessing a new kind of depression, and he dubbed it hypochondriacal delirium. Sometime later, he created the term negation delusion to specify the syndrome, but unfortunately, during this time period, 
there you know wasn't a lot of answers to this and not a lot of treatment options so mademoiselle x actually passed away she starved herself to death so now we're gonna jump way ahead in the time frame and we're gonna get into like the 2000s so my next case report comes from a greek psychiatrist and this is in 2003 so this psychiatrist saw a patient who believed he had no brain and was literally empty-headed he had also attempted suicide a few years earlier and he felt life wasn't worth living since he had no brain he abruptly left without receiving treatment, but was readmitted the next year when he completed treatment and he showed significant improvement. I'm not sure if this was the same case or a different one, but it seems like it was around the same time period, like 2003 or 2004. I found another source that talked about a man named Graham who admitted himself to the hospital believing he was brain dead. Graham said, quote, When I was in the hospital, I kept on telling them that the tablets weren't going to do me any good, talking about his medication, because my brain was dead. I lost my sense of smell and taste. I didn't need to eat or speak or do anything. I ended up spending time in the graveyard because that was the closest I could get to death, end quote. And Graham suffered from severe depression. He had tried to commit suicide by taking an electrical appliance with him to the bathtub. So really horrible. But this attempt was luckily unsuccessful. And eight months later, he admitted himself to the hospital. And this is when he's, you know, telling the doctors that he was brain dead. And he basically said it was really hard to explain. He just felt like his brain didn't exist anymore. And rationalizing with Graham was also impossible. Like the doctors would take his vitals and they would explain like, look, you have blood pressure, um, put the stethoscope on him. Listen, your heart is beating. And because this delusion was so powerful, he didn't believe anything that the doctors were saying at this time. But from what I could find, Graham did end up getting treatment and was able to make a, like a really good recovery. Those same doctors also treated a 72-year-old female who claimed all of her organs had melted, only skin had remained, and that she was practically dead. But there was no public record of her treatment or prognosis. In 2005, there was a 14-year-old boy with a seizure disorder who began to experience the same delusion. His mental health history also included themes of death, depression, decreased physical activity, social withdrawal, and disturbed biological functions. He also showed no response to pleasurable stimuli. The boy also had intermittent episodes of catards about twice a year, and they would last anywhere from three weeks to several months. During these episodes, the boy would say he believed everyone and everything was dead, including the trees that grew outside. He described himself as a dead body and often warned the world would be destroyed in a few short hours. In 2008, in Psychiatry MMC, there was another case study released about catards that focused on a woman who had recently immigrated and was dealing with severe depression. In the case study, they call this woman Miss L, who was a 53-year-old Filipino woman, and this woman admitted to the psychiatric unit when her family called 911. 
because she was complaining that she was dead and that her skin smelled like rotting flesh. She wanted to be taken to a morgue so that she could be with the dead people. After she was interviewed in the hospital, she expressed a lot of fear that the paramedics were trying to burn down the house where she was living with her cousin and her brother. She also admitted she was feeling very hopeless during this time. She didn't have a lot of energy. She wasn't hungry and she had excessive sleepiness or somnolence. Miss L reported she had been on antidepressants while she was in the Philippines where she had lived for the last 18 years and she had just moved to the US only a month ago, but she couldn't remember the name of the medication or the dosage. So after any organic or visible causes were ruled out, treatment with quetiapine and bupropione SR was started. The patient was initially reluctant to take medication or eat, but she, because of this, had other complications. She had an electrolyte imbalance, she had hypokalemia and hyponatremia, and then they had to do like intravenous electrolyte repletion. She was also isolative, so she spent a lot of the day in bed. She neglected her personal hygiene, grooming, so all common symptoms of severe depression. But luckily for Miss L, her family was really supportive and very involved in her treatment, and this allowed the patient to get treatment. Basically, her family was able to convince her. So the patient's medication regimen, like I said, was Buprorion SR, and they also did Olanzapine. And a few days later, the patient had a questionable seizure episode versus like syncope, like fainting. And then she went to a medical unit. About three days later, she was stable and went back to the psychiatric floor. And her medications at this point were Olanzapine, acetylopram, and this was because of the questionable seizure, and lorazepam, which is commonly used for agitation. So after about one month of being on this regimen, Miss L showed significant improvement. At discharge, she denied any type of extremely pessimistic thoughts or paranoid delusions. Uh, she also denied hallucinations, and she said she felt hopeful about her future. And she also wanted to participate in psychiatric follow-up care. In 2009, there was a group of Belgian psychiatrists that reported on an 88-year-old man who was complaining of depression symptoms, and he also felt he was in fact dead. He was concerned that no one had buried him. He improved with treatment, which may have included electroshock therapy, amipramine, and risperidone. These same psychiatrists also worked with a 46-year-old woman who insisted she hadn't eaten or used the bathroom in months and hadn't slept in years. She also felt all of her organs had rotted and that doctors who examined her were lying about her having blood and a heartbeat. But she also gradually improved with medication. In 2015, doctors in Brazil reported that a 31-year-old male admitted to the hospital claiming insomnia, refusing to eat, and attempting suicide. 
He later reported his organs had been destroyed and that he was hollow inside, that his entire body had rotten, reeking flesh. He also felt that his body was deformed and that his face was full of holes. He really wished to die at this point, and he declared that he was paying for wrong acts that he had done when he was younger and that he wasn't worthy of happiness. So they did a rigorous medication sequence with him, and after about 60 days, his symptoms were much, much improved, and he was released. This next case comes from the Archives of Clinical Psychiatry in 2016. This is the case study of a 69-year-old woman, and her medical team ultimately found a multifocal glioblastoma, which is a severe form of brain cancer, and this was in the right temporoparietal lobe, which is that same area that a lot of neuroscientists believe, if it's damaged, can cause a lot of these Cotard's delusions and symptoms. So this woman had no significant prior medical history, and she was admitted to the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford with an episode of numbness in the left hand and an episode of dizziness while she was at home. And her symptoms lasted about 15 minutes, and then they seemed to resolve. She had no prior history of head trauma, and a neurological exam was done, and this came up unremarkable. And there was a team that was consulted, a stroke team, to make sure she hadn't had a stroke. They felt that a CT scan wasn't necessary, but she did do some therapy while she was in the hospital. And she worked with an occupational therapist, and she did not do well. But for whatever reason, she was sent home. But then when she got home, her symptoms got more severe in her delusions. So during the night, she developed a delusion that she was dead. And she was later back in the hospital and interviewed. This was the next day, early in, early in the afternoon. And she said, quote, I think I'm dead. It started during the night, like it was some kind of dream, but this remain until now. And then the person interviewing her asked, do you rationally think you are dead? And the woman said, I do. It may not make much sense since I realize I have blood pressure when they measure it, but I rationally think I am dead, end quote. No signs or symptoms of depression were apparent, and she also denied any history of recent or not so recent affective or psychotic disorders. She also underwent some cognitive testing using the Mini Mental State Examination or the MMSE. It's similar to some other cognitive screeners that they use often in the hospital. And she seemed, based on all of these results, to have developed type 1 Cotard syndrome. Type 1 reflects the absence of depression, anxiety, or hallucinations. So finally, they did a head MRI. And this is where they found the multifocal lesions within her brain. And there was the glioblastoma that was identified in the right parietal lobe. From what I could find, there's only one other case reported in literature associating Cotard syndrome with a brain tumor. And this was in 1993 with a 12-year-old boy who also had a tumor in the parietal lobe. His was an astrocytoma. 
This seems to have been the first reported case of catards caused by a brain tumor in an adult. And for obvious reasons, this seems to be the only one case where the syndrome was successfully treated by means of corticotherapy, not requiring the normal approach with antidepressants and antipsychotic drugs because there was a different underlying cause. So overall, most of the time, if someone has Cotard's syndrome, these cases are not of organic cause, something you can find within testing or imaging. So just to wrap up here, I thought this was interesting. There have also been several references to Cotard's syndrome in books, different TV shows, and in music. In the 2008 movie Synecdoche, New York, there was a character named Caden Cotard. And Caden was portrayed by Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the film seemed to have a very strong theme of death and immortality. Throughout the film, Cotard thinks he is actively dying, though there was nothing organically wrong with him. There were also scenes with his daughter, Olive, where she's screaming about having blood in her body, her stools turning green, and his wife also had a chronic cough throughout the movie. Cotard was also writing a play throughout the film about his own life. And as the film goes on, he writes himself out of the play and he basically disappears as if he doesn't exist. Going to some music references, there was also a Swedish man that went by the name Per Dead Olin, and this was a lead vocalist for two black metal bands, Mayhem and Morbid. Many people believe that Ohen had Cotard syndrome after experiencing a violent assault by bullies when he was a kid, and this assault was so severe it left him clinically dead for a short period of time. After this event, he developed an obsession with death, and he developed the stage name Dead and used corpse paint, or the style of black and white paint across the face to appear dead, which is commonly used by musicians in death metal bands. He also often self-harmed on stage and among friends, so incredibly dark and triggering, disturbing. And unfortunately for Olin, he became more and more depressed and introverted, and he eventually completed suicide in 1991. Awful. There was also a BBC crime drama in the series Luther, where the protagonist DCI John Luther in series four follows a cannibalistic serial killer with Cotard syndrome. There's also a song by Will Wood and the Tapeworms called Cotard's Solution, in which the song themes on wanting to die and death in general. So that is the perplexing syndrome known as Cotard's or Walking Dead syndrome. And I do want to say, please, if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness, there are resources and it's important to ask for help right away. A full list of resources can be found at psychcentral.com. You can also call 911 if you or someone you know may be in a health crisis or a mental health crisis. You can also walk into an urgent care or a psychiatric urgent care 
or call your mental health professional during their work hours or if they have a line for emergencies. I hope you learned something new today and found this episode interesting. I certainly did. And remember, if you've been enjoying the podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the world. Leave me a five-star review, please, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Or if you're watching on YouTube and you liked this video, please hit the thumbs up button and hit the subscribe button. I would really, really appreciate it. I would forever be grateful. And remember, you can always check out the episode description or the show notes for those other support and contact links. Send me your topic requests. Share a crazy story of your own with me by emailing me at perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail or by DMing me on Instagram at perplexitymysterypodcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.